the ultimate deck podcast need a show about outdoor living this is where it's at with your host shane chapman and way Laurent. thank you for tuning in now let the show begin yeah, yeah the ultimate deck podcast let's go welcome back everybody ultimate deck podcast wade and shane in the house beautiful day out there today wade it's like balmy it's a balmy plus two today. Shot of snow we had is melting a little bit. It's actually supposed to get nicer next week. Frazier showed there's plus temperatures in the forecast. Like this snow might leave yet. Time to get in here, take advantage of some sales, and build a deck next week. Right? Pretty tough thing to convince people to do once the snow hits the first time. It's over. Like it could be it could be a hundred degrees out next week, and it probably wouldn't really matter. But anyway, uh, like what do you think? If it was hundred degrees out, it would yeah, matter. I don't think it would. Or be dead because the everywhere. forecast would just be like 100 degrees for the next three days, sure, but then back to minus 30. Well, not minus 30, but like zero next week. Takes longer than three days to go from like not even planning to building a deck to building it and done deck. Yep, for most people. So, what have you been up to? Haven't seen you in a while. You're down here in Regina right now. What, yeah, didn't you see me? Haven't yesterday? you? Well, I did, but I mean, like, since we recorded the podcast last week, no, I didn't see you yesterday. Oh, no. You got in here late last night. No, no, no. You got late. You oh, were yeah. gone yesterday. Tuesday night. Yeah. And I wasn't here either. So even yeah. if you were here, I wouldn't have seen you. Funeral last yesterday. Uh, like, I don't know what I've been up to. Uh, like, I've been spending some time in the Saskatoon store. Uh, I've been hanging out at the rink with some kids hockey. Oh, yeah. I Fixed gotta, your back since we talked f- last. So here is a new event that I've started. Okay. I have started curling. Yeah, that's a that's sign. What happens when you get old, old age? You give up on hockey. I've played one hockey game this year, maybe two. Yeah, uh, but I've curled two times, three times. I've invested. I bought a pair of curling shoes. They have like a holy smokes slider on the side. <laughs> you're, you're all in. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so I was having, I was having some back problems, uh, and that would imply that it's gone. It's not gone. I believe that oh, I. Oh, I thought you fixed it. I fixed the worst part of it. So. I was doing chiropractor and massage weekly because I was like, this is really bad. I can't tie my shoes and my one leg is numb. I was like, this is a problem. Numb, <laughs> I have a numb leg. No good. So I went to the chiropractor and he was like, well, you know what? We should get an x-ray. And I said, that sounds great. We need to escalate this. So I got an x-ray. Yeah. My L4 was out of place. Okay. So then I go curling yeah. and I was sweeping a rock. And I felt it pop back in while I was like sweeping the rock. And I I went straight vertical. I was almost certain that I was going to be paralyzed because I felt it click, right? I felt it move. I was like, <gasps> like you didn't fall. You just like I slipped, slipped, slipped and like, no, I was, it was yourself. while I was sweeping. I was like, I oh. fully extended. Oh, like, you didn't even slip. No, I didn't even slip. I was like sliding along, sweeping, but then like had extended my arm and all of a sudden it was like, boom. I felt it pop in and I, then I panicked and I stood up and was like, oh no, I'm in trouble. But what happened was uh, the sensation came back in my leg immediately. The pain was gone immediately. I was like, this is amazing. So then continued on. Crazy. Okay. And this is where the story ends for me. That's the last update I got. People have been asking me like, oh, you, like Wade's still messed up. I'm like, no. Good. This story. Let, let me tell you. So then I went and met the chiropractor. We got the x-rays back. Okay. Uh, I have a very funny sacrum. So wait, he diagnosed that your L four and L whatever were just L four was out before X rays, just Sideways. feeling around. Yeah, he was like something's wrong here. Okay. This is not right. So then we get the X ray, and he was 
and L4 is out. And then Confirmed. he told me that I needed to do core exercises. Out. And yeah. I was like, put me to sleep. Is there a surgery that we can do instead? <laughs> Can't we do spinal surgery of some kind instead? Yeah. As opposed to core exercise? I'm not doing that. I'll take the super invasive risky surgery as opposed to doing some sit-ups. No, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyways, that what the x-ray shows is that I have a sacrum. As, as do you. Should. <laughs> Mine's there. Yeah. This is great news. Still there. Uh, what happens is apparently when you're born, your sacrum is uh, multiple lumbars. It's so like what happens is you, you kind of have like a L5, but when you're born, you have like L6, L7, and L8, and then yeah, six, seven, and eight fuse. Okay. Yours didn't fuse? Not always. Uh, just the top one didn't. So seven and eight joined, six independent. So you have a li- like you actually you have a real tail. I have a real tail. The rest of us evolved to no tail. Yeah. You have a real tail. And I'll show people. You ask me, I'll show you. <laughs> <laughs> so uh so anyways, he was like that that probably won't be a big deal. Like that's just it'll be fine. Uh what is a big deal is that I have arthritis on my lower back. And he was like, it's right here and right here. And he showed me and I was like, so what's the plan? He was like, well, we already covered this. Core exercises. And I was like, pain for the rest of my life. Got it. So that's kind of it. Now I have to figure out how to do some core exercises. So yeah, just plank and shit. That's the one that people keep coming up with. I was like, I don't like sit-ups. I hate sit-ups. I don't want to do them. He was like, well, you, you don't have to do sit-ups. You could do planks or you can do medicine ball work. And I was like, yeah, work. This all sounds like a lot of work. So, anyways, we'll see what happens. Uh, currently, I'm just using drugs. I'm at, like Tylenol and Advil, and that's kind of so. What I was use. your back bothering you before this because of arthritis? It must have been. Like my back is always sore. I'm right. always in a state yeah. of like I've probably got arthritis too, and just don't know it. What's your pain like? Like, what's your level of pain right now at a scale of ten? If anybody asked me that, I would be like. Two to three. Like always there. It's all there's always some level of pain. But when I go to the chiropractor and the massage therapist weekly, I'm operating at likely an eight or a nine. Like like I have to really prepare myself to put my socks on. I have to like stretch and then do some deep breathing and then hold my breath and then like throw my body forward and be like, oh and just like when your back was buggered up. Like during the the pre curling fix, you're saying it was eight or nine. Yes. And now to Not put anymore. my socks on, I'm like a six. It still hurts a lot. To bend over. Yep. And hmm. so I do like left leg, no problem. Like socks go on my left leg, no problem. Boom. Right leg, lots of problems. Still not still not perfect over there. And not and they're like they won't do the invasive surgery that I've asked for. And they, you're, and you're they, holding out on the core exercises. <laughs> they so need me to start doing some exercises, and I'm like, hmm. I'd like to negotiate this. What about morphine? <laughs> your body, dude. I don't give a shit. That's exactly <laughs> you. And so that's dude, a, or not. Dr. Tim and my Cairo guy was like, well, I've done my part. And I was like, yeah, but it's like, really, you can lead a horse to water. <laughs> I feel like that's what you've done. So so what's doing core exercise is supposed to do for... Apparently, it just uh, strengths, strengthens everything. And then, it, like, and then your back doesn't have as much fatigue because your stomach is holding it all in place. Like, I wonder if anybody else in the world knows about these things. Everybody does, apparently. <laughs> it's just like brand new news to me. It's like, not even brand new news to me. You I should already tell knew the this. world. Other people probably aren't aware of this whole like taking care of their body type thing. Just, you know who does? Scott T- Scott Kelly is taking care of his body right mm, now. 
You see that guy? Now he does. He's going to be down. He said to me yesterday, he told me he's going sub 200 before Dak Axel. Oh, he's at like 202. So that's like just skip a couple meals and he's there. Yeah, but he doesn't skip meals. He meal preps. He gets them already every night. Oh, well, that works even better. I'm gonna I'm gonna wrestle him He's when we one see him. Big shit away from losing <laughs> like sub two hundred at two sub two hundred pounds. I got him. I would take him. Think so yeah. No, I don't think so. But like, but if I got on top of him, he couldn't get me off. It'd be like two twenty. <laughs> well, I mean, wrestle him down, and it'd be over. He'd be in a big old chokehold. I agree. It'd be harder to get you off if you were on top. <laughs> but anyway, because of the back pain, <laughs> right? Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. So curling, <clears throat> I don't know. I like I want to play hockey again, but I just seem to like kind of scared. Hurt myself. It hurts so much now, you know. Well, if you play play hockey and then you'd hurt something else, so you'd forget my the forearm. back as much. I'm a tennis elbow in my forearm. Yeah, so you'd pull, you'd you'd uh, tore, tear a bicep. Trying to think. Bad news, buddy. This whole getting old stuff is not ideal. Not ideal. It's not my back that bothers me at hockey. It's I often it's more my groin than anything. It's like I have a problem with pull my your groin. Too groin. Much. It's like twice once this year at the start of the year is like. Well, that's bad. I'm only gonna be out for a while. But then I was lucky to have a two week break, and it actually was like by the time I went back, it was okay again. Miraculously, and then I kind of like pulled it again in another game. I was like, "This is bullshit." Tweaked it. But there's been I play on two different teams, and each team has had a guy that's tore a bicep this year. And then you knew a guy a couple years ago that tore a bicep. It's the grossest thing. All three of them. All three of them reported the exact same thing. Felt an initial burn of something. I think Kurt. Maybe you told me this or not, but yeah. if not, like, the other two guys first two were like, yeah, I felt like something kind of, like, burned, like, in my elbow, my bicep, and wasn't really sure. And then later, I did a poke check and fucking, boom, like, bicep rolled up on me. And so, we were talking about... Three for three night. on poke checks. Yeah. Is a true story. On the the the, wor- the warning burn, the warning burn, and then a poke check to yep. go. So, in the dressing room last week, it's like, listen, if, if, if you feel a burn <laughs> at the bottom of your bicep and your elbow... Leave, hockey, stop there. Leave the game. Yeah. Go drink beer. Yeah. Because the next step, torn bicep. The last guy that did it was a 30% tear. So he's, his didn't roll up his arm, but he's like, he's out for Do like six days. that's better or worse? I don't, that's, we were talking about that too. It's like, is that I one think of those ones where worse. it's like worse because they, they don't go in, they can't do a surgery on that. Right. If they tear it, they go back in, they reattach it, and then it heals up and you're good to go. With the other one, you just have to stay immobile for six to eight weeks. Right, but you have 30% tear. So what happened? Like the other 70% is like, oh, we got it. We'll go back down there. <laughs> yeah, man, I don't know. They don't go back down there. Works. Maybe you just lose and the, 30% strength too. Right, and the other, it's like that. It's just not reattaching. Like stuff you ripped off isn't going back now. Yeah. Yeah, it's I don't gone. know what happens. Like I don't know what that even means. Like 30% tear, does that mean like 30% of the fibers detached? Is that what that means? Sure, that's what I like, think. Or does it mean like, like it's stretched? And lost thirty percent of its elasticity or something like I don't know. No what that chance. Means that what has to have happened is the rope got held out and thirty percent of it is frayed and gone back. Yeah, so that's like, still like fairly gross, right? But it, what I'm saying is like nobody's fixing that. Right, the rope's not going back together. Yeah, you need that whole thing to come off. You need it to. You need it to roll up in your arm. Yeah, the guy wow. that happened to the first, the second, the most recent guy even said he's like. Then I did the poke check and I felt it like something like pop. Boink. And he's like, and then I just got like sick to my stomach. He's like, <laughs> I immediately was like, <laughs> like, didn't know what it was, but it's like made me sick. Yeah. My body was like, puke. <laughs> yeah. How is that the reaction? Your arm sore. Puke. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thanks, I don't know, But it is what it is. So. You, how are you? What's, what's going on? Uh, 
Not much. I was going to get to the topics. I was like, where, where are we in here? Uh, not Who much. Cares? The kids are like, they're well into hockey. So I got one kid doing two, two ice times on, on the weekend and one doing one ice time on the weekend. And then they were both trying karate on Monday nights. Oh, I got a couple of ninjas there. Oh, hey. Yeah, they were both. Uh, As if you need to train those two to fight more. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, no. But maybe to fight safer? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> Uh, but Casey's not really taking to the karate. Avery Moore is. He's still going. Casey's like, I don't want to do this anymore. And Casey so, seems like a sweeter dude. Like he wouldn't want to actually fight. Uh, he's getting to that stage now though, where he's like, he's being the, a little jerk at home. Too. Like Avery beat that into him. He had like, that's Probably. a self-defense mechanism. He's taken it for a while. Now he's starting to give it back. He's getting a little bit bigger. Yeah. So that, and then I'm playing more hockey than I ever have before too. We have a bit of a break right now, but, um, yeah, home is just chaos. So. Hockey's my peaceful time. How's your new furniture? Good. Great. Love it. Got a new cat. Boy, a lot's happened lately. Cat, furniture, not a good combo, but... Yeah, you should have got the cat. Never. <laughs> you should have got the, the cat... Uh, Practicing on the old furniture. Shot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Spade. Yeah. My dad used to call it spade, so he used to... Like, we had a cat when we were growing up, like his kids... And it would have a litter like all every year, twice yeah. a year. It was always, there was so many kittens around when yeah. we were growing up. This one is a kitten. And dad used to spade the cats, which meant he would hit them over the head with the spade <laughs> shovel. And so, anyways. Uh, yeah. So she, I didn't learn that until much later in life what she, that meant. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I bet. Like, oh, dad, that was actually pretty bad. You shouldn't have done that. Yeah. <laughs> there was probably a better way. You could have just given them away. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we got this cat from a, it was a kitten, uh, on my in-laws farm. It was a barn cat and the mother had kind of like abandoned these kittens. So they were getting, go get your own mice. Yeah. Not doing so well. So I think there was three of them. Two of them went to the neighboring farm. They're like, we could use cats and they take really good care of them. So two of them went there and then this one was like super cute little thing. And so it ended up in the house, which was kind of their rule before was like the cats don't come in the house. Like the barn cats stay outside. Because we don't want them ever getting too, like, homey around here. Yeah, they're mousers, man. On a farm, you yeah. have to have mousers. Exactly. And so this one was too cute, I guess, and they brought it in the house, and there was like, well, now somebody's taking it. So it was actually destined to go to Prince Albert. That's My where it should have went. brother-in-law had a friend or somebody that was like, we'll take it. Then we went down there for a weekend. The kids fell in love with it. My wife was like, well, maybe we should just bring it home for two weeks. I was like, come on. Like, you don't even believe what you're saying right now. That cat's not coming home for two weeks and then coming back here. You know damn well. Well, no, no, like if the kids are, no, nah, no, You no. know, damn that well. That cat comes home, it's staying home. We all know this. Why are we pretending it's yeah, not? Yeah. Sorry, that happened. Um, But yeah, it's a pretty cute cat. So it likes your I guess. Furniture. You, got a, you got a litter trained yet? Uh, It's getting better. It's getting better. It was having some issues, but we went and got it like. Dewormers. Dewormed and ear mites taken care of. And Isn't that the grossest like, thing, the deworming situation? Well, I don't know that it actually had worms. Like nothing ever oh. came out of it, but they gave it the, the shot of, or like the. Medicine, whatever. Medicine just drink it. Don't they just eat it? It's just like yeah, a, it was in a like a syringe, some tasty stuff in a syringe. Yeah, shot it in her mouth and like that was the end of it. There's no worms that came out or anything. So okay, so I did that. When she definitely had ear mites though. Yeah, yeah. So that's over now too. So What's now that she's like, like, like I don't know, like they're fleas essentially. They just live in the ears of a cat, and so they swab like with a Q-tip essentially, and then they take that under a microscope. And they're like, yep, got definitely the, some ear mites in there. Got the mites. Okay. So they take her to the back and like I don't know, I didn't see it, but. She came back wet around her head. So I assume they wash the ears out and kind of manually clean them. And then they put a, like a topical medicine on the back of their neck where they can't lick it off. Just like a, it must yeah. just absorb into their skin. And then 
please don't like that. So any that they don't get physically cleaning them out, just they move out into the kids' ears. Yeah, I was like, did this? They moved out in your house? Yeah. Almost for sure. JC thought that was a great spot. Yeah, yeah, you know, that'd be great if we could have cats. Fine, she's acting all normal. The kids are scratching like crazy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, anyway, she's, she's like, she's normal. She had like diarrhea when she came out the farm. That was like two weeks of that crap, and now she's like getting better there, and like everything's getting a little bit better now. So, so anyways, we have a cat. Worms are the worst. We had a, we picked up a dog off the farm years like years ago. Max, when we got him, yeah. And we gave him the dewormer, and that was like, he was full. Really? Of, eh? Like, right full of worms. It was wow. like a week of shit that was full of worms. And I was like, this is awful. Are the worms still, like, alive when they come out, or it's like the medicine kills them, and then they just pass? Medicine they stop holding them. on. That's right. Yeah, medicine kills them, and then they pass. But it was like, Weird. the first one that came out was almost solid worms. There was, like, not Jeez. much. And not much waste, just worms. And I was like, I think we should kill the dog. <laughs> I don't think we should have this anymore. Anyways, uh, luckily Max didn't get killed from that, but pretty close, closer than he thought. Okay, uh, today's episode, after all that, is about um, we it, we we researched 15, 15 different ways that a deck building business might go out of business. Um. Boy, like small businesses are hard to run in the first place, and contracting businesses are obviously, not obviously, are notorious for going out of business because often contracting businesses are started by people who are really good at their craft, know how to know how to build a deck or know how to do whatever trade it is, yeah, but not often great at running the business, and so they get themselves in trouble because they don't understand the business side, even though they understand the craft really well, and so this topic today, we were just kind of like, you know what? We've never really talked about this before. It's like what to watch out for, what to make sure you're good at. Cause like often it's just, it's neglect. It's like, I didn't know I was supposed to be doing that or I wasn't paying enough attention to that and it got away from me. So it's like, what are these things? If we bring some light to them, maybe somebody's like, Ooh boy, I should check You know what? That. Maybe, and maybe what's happening is we got some people that are listening that are like failing at one or two. And so yeah. their business isn't going to fail. They're just like, maybe they're just struggling a little bit. And yeah. it's like, Oh, if I just cleaned that one thing up. Right. Kind of dragging me down. Loaded. Yeah. Uh, So 15 items that we got here. And so we're going to go through them one by one. I don't think these are ordered in any sort of like, they're not weighted in any way, but. Certainly look ordered to me. They're numbered. Well, I mean, it's a numbered list, but I don't think it's like, I don't think it's like the, I don't think number one is the most common way people go to business. Boy, reading that list, I'd have to guess that's probably it though. (laughs) Okay. Well, maybe it is. So number one is poor workmanship and quality control. This one's obviously a doozy. Um, but if you don't do good work, you're probably not going to last very long. <coughs> Number you can only one. Get a, you can only get away with that for so long. Yeah. You can only hide that for a little bit. You know? So many businesses talk about how they, 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 uh, don't market themselves, which I'm sure that's going to come up here at some point, but they don't market themselves because they get so much word of mouth and referrals. Um, but if you do poor workmanship, that ends there. So like you can't rely on that whatsoever. And for many contractors, that's their biggest source of, of additional work is referrals and word of mouth. Yep. Um, so make sure you know what you're doing. So if you can't run the business and you can't do the craft, you're in a lot of trouble. Uh, Satisfied customers, negative reviews, bad reputation, ultimate loss of business. Yep. Not a good one. Make sure you are good at what you do before you decide to do it for a living. Number two, underpricing services. This one, I believe would be like, this one gets a lot of guys (coughs) and gals. Um, Unfortunately, it's because they don't even know what their pricing should be. 
Right. How many of those? You know what? What I could do is I could just, I could get everybody in those Facebook groups that were were a part of those like deck builders and the one on one framing and all these like different elite deck builder blah 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 all those stuff. Yeah. If everybody in the group gave me one dollar for every time somebody was like, "Hey, quoting a deck, how much do you guys charge for this?" Yeah, I wouldn't have to work. Yeah, because there's hundreds of thousands of people, and at least once a day, somebody doesn't know what to price things at. Yeah, and it's like, how can you ask that question of somebody who's not even in your business? They don't know what your business costs. Right. This is a, it's the silliest thing. Yep. So we just, like we just talked about this, was it last episode, I think? Or the one before? I think it was last one where we talked about like what go, what's in that 90 bucks? They all run together, hour. really. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. What's yeah. in that $90 an hour? And it's like, uh, if you don't understand what's in that $90, $90 an hour, then you're probably underpricing your services. So for a lot of guys, like what all they think about is what do I want to make per hour? It's like, well, if I make 30 bucks an hour, I'm happy. So then they charge 30 bucks an hour or what the equivalent of $30 an hour. Or sometimes they're even like 60. I'll just double it. Yeah. Or the, yeah, they That's might round it either. or top it up or something to whatever, but they don't have a good understanding of everything that goes into their business. So if you don't make sure you're including all your labor costs and you're Obviously, there's materials to account for, but your overhead is the one that's, I feel like, is the overhead. hardest one for people to figure out. They don't know. They don't know how to, like, take all of their expenses in a year and break it down to an hourly, like, rate, I guess, of, of sorts, to make sure that they're charging enough hourly to cover all those extra overhead things. Yeah. It's like, they don't even know how to take, like, oh, my business license is $300 a year. How do I account for that and whatever? Like, they don't even want to do that math or know how to yeah. do that math. So, underpricing is for sure it. And so, and a lot of people are guilty of this because they think that they need to <clears throat> lower the price to win jobs and they do so foolishly not knowing, like maybe they even priced, maybe they even on paper were like, I'm going to charge this much. And if they did, that would be good. But then they find themselves continuously discounting things to win jobs all the time. And what they don't know they, they're doing is they're, they're, they're cutting too deep and losing money on every job. Yeah, Cause you probably don't have enough to do. You probably don't have enough built in there to even do that. Right. I hate that people ask for discounts. It so bugs me so much. It's a much. super dangerous one. And it's also because most people try to get into a market by being priced low. And it's like, that's a tough thing to write out. You're not Amazon. You can't just take losses for 10 years until you find a way to be profitable. Uh, nope. You need to figure that out sooner than later. Mm -hmm. There's um, a good chance so you dangerous. don't even have one year yep. to figure that out. Yep. Yeah. You might get one year until you show up at the account and they're like, uh, you're effed. You owe $31,000 in taxes. And they're like, nope. You're buying the eight ball. No, I don't owe that. I couldn't have. I have zero money in my bank account. Yeah. <laughs> Number three, overextension on projects. So either taking on too many projects at once or taking something that the scale is just beyond your ability now. So that's a dangerous one too. Biting off more than you can chew essentially. Yeah. Have you done that? You ever done that? I have uh, taking on more than I could handle like in number of projects, no. Taking on a project that I was like, this is probably too big for me. Absolutely. But <laughs> it, like it worked, they worked out. I didn't end up burying myself, but certainly there were some jobs where I was like, this is bigger than me. I had a, <laughs> I had somebody ask me that, this is back when I was doing like renovation work. And I was really good at doing basement renovations. Like if somebody, if their house flooded and they were like, I just need the whole basement redone. 
Yeah. I was like, no problem. I could go in there. I could, because I understood what I was doing, right? And so it was like, yeah. I was able to remove the drywall and blah, blah, blah. I had on electrician. It was like a two-man crew and I had a plumber. And it was two-man crew and I had a drywaller. It was a single, like one dude. So this was all going to work for me. But yep. uh, I got into a house that was shifting really bad and it was like, it was a four-level split. I didn't really understand how the house was even put together. And I started down the path of quoting that job. And then like, I think I was, I was probably two or three weeks into trying to quote this job. And I finally went back to the house and was just like, like, I can't do this job. And they're, and they were like, what? You've been gone for two weeks. And I was like, I thought I could do it, but I like, I can't, I don't, I don't understand what we need to do here. Yeah. Your house is so at a level and it's, in multiple places, it's out of level. And I don't know where to pick part of this house up. And I don't know who to contact to like shift this. And I actually think that my best solution for you is to have a house fire. And get insurance. <laughs> and that I can do. And that I can do. That's what we decide here. <laughs> for the low, low fee of $10,000, I could burn this whole thing down. Yeah. And then you can get some insurance. So yeah. anyways, I ended up referring them to him but i like i was about to take that on and yep. that would have sunk me for sure like, yeah and that's hard you, sometimes you get big eyes and you're like oh what an opportunity but if you're not prepared and you don't have the resources and you don't have the like either financial resources or the people yeah. um you're gonna just end up in like missing deadlines pissing people off it was gonna, gonna be bad be good. That one doing the be work bad. improperly and having to redo things that's what was going to happen i was gonna do it improperly yeah because i didn't even know who to call yep. i was just gonna do it myself can get dangerous. That's a tough one to like to admit that you're not going to be able to do it, you know? Yeah. Number four, inadequate business management. So lack of experience and skills in managing a business, which is kind of what we talked about right from the start, but anything from like managing your finances to like dealing with employees. Um, if you don't know how or don't pay enough attention to those aspects, those finer details that can sink you in a hurry. Certainly ties into number two, right? The underpricing services. Yeah. Part of it for sure. If you don't under, yeah. But it's like, if you don't like... Sometimes contractors, I'm not trying to paint every same brush, but sometimes you're coming from a crude background. Like sometimes the guys are pretty rough and it's like, they don't know how to be empathetic with, with oh. their customers or with their, their employees. Maybe they don't know how to hire people properly. So they're hiring bad people all the time. Um, they don't bother like getting in with a bookkeeper right away or an accountant to help them with that. So they don't manage their finances properly. Just like general bad business management. So. Yep. Uh, number five, insufficient marketing. There it is. Yeah. So, especially at the start, like you don't have those referrals built up, but if you don't earn the referrals either, like, and again, a lot of contractors, this isn't their expertise. They don't, don't want to do that. They don't want to do marketing. And they don't want to have to pay for it yet either, because maybe they're new or whatever, but it's like, or maybe they just don't believe in it. They Depends. just don't think it's like worth paying for. Yeah. But um, if you don't have some sort of way to generate leads coming into your business, and you're just hoping that the phone will ring because... You put a sign up in the yard, which is a small bit of marketing that you're doing, but like it takes a long time to build up a network of referrals. <clears throat> in the meantime, how are you getting that business? And maybe that maybe the radio guy gets to them and then Yeah. Which then they're really in trouble. Well that's but they don't know. <laughs> yeah. What they the best part is that people work like you have these construction companies and they work all day, every day outside listening to the radio or inside or whatever. Yeah. And so you know what you hear on the radio? Ads. You hear ads from your competitors yep. or the people you purchase from, and you're like, that's so good, man. It's like, I totally heard that ad. 
I'm gonna, I'm doing it. I'm gonna buy an ad. Yeah. And then they talk to the radio guy, and it's like fifty-one gazillion dollars. And you're like, well, cash flow positive right now. You're not. You don't know. Yeah. Because you don't know your books. There's money in the bank. I got but... money in the bank. I could do this. So you pay your fifty-one gazillion dollars for radio, and they take a whole handful of advertising and they throw it at a wall for seven days. And then you hear it on the radio all the time, affirming your decision. Because it is you hear it. It's the radio station you listen to. And that's fun. Hear your name on the radio. Right? How fun is that? That's the worst money ever. That's got to be the and worst. And the phone doesn't ring anymore. You're like, what's going on here? Uh, number six, competition. So obviously, depending on the market, you might be in a very competitive market. I know there's a lot of guys in those same Facebook groups you mentioned there that are like, how are you charging that? We, there's no way I can do that. There's no way I can charge for estimates because nobody in my market charges for estimates and some guys are just in, in markets that are not, like, some guys are lucky enough to have it kind of cornered, and other guys are competing with a lot of people. And then that often results in you dropping your price, which, refer back to number two, <laughs> puts you in trouble. Um, but you got to find a way to differentiate yourself. So if you can't, if you, if you can't put out better quality or, or communicate your value um, better than the other guys, then you're basically left with competing on price, which is, I mean, this whole episode's about how you go to business. That's That'll all. do it <laughs> right there. Yeah. Number seven, economic turndowns. So this is a hot topic right now. Like we are, I think the U.S. is officially in a recession. Canada is like, I don't know, it's felt awful for years. Uh, I don't know that we're officially in it yet, but regardless, the economy, well, I mean, look at COVID. <laughs> what do you mean you don't too. know if we're in it? How could you think we're not in it? <clears throat> Interest rates are climbing. Nobody's lending us money anymore. Yeah. We're not allowed to trade with anyone. Yeah. So sometimes it's, there's an, an economic reason that the phone stops ringing. It's absolutely, people are going through that right now. It's like, not just, not just deck builders, but like you hear a lot of small businesses been like, is this like, is anybody else? Like normally this time of year, our phone's ringing off the hook and it's like not right now. And everybody else is like, yep, like here it is. This is so what we've been waiting for. Some of this stuff is impossible to, like it's Im- impossible for you to affect the change on this. Yeah. Uh, but this goes back to like competition and marketing. So in an economic downturn, that's how that there are people that are going out of business, but there are still people that are insulated from an economic downturn. Basically government employees yep. will always kind of get paid. They will like, you know, they'll always kind of have money. And so they'll, some of those people will continue to renovate their home yep. decks or windows or whatever it is. Or maybe you need to like, maybe you don't do decks for a while. You're a carpenter. You know how to build things. So maybe you got to branch out and do some windows and doors for a bit just to, to help, you know? So there's, um, certainly if you're like, if you're one of the good ones, like if you run a good tight ship and you do good work and you have a good brand, good name, everything else, you're fine through these moments of time. Cause you can, you're still going to get hired by those people you just mentioned that still have income in like nothing ever stops at zero. Doesn't grind it doesn't, to zero. Doesn't go to zero. It just gets harder to stand out. Right. And if there's a hundred deck builders in your market during really slow times, that probably slows to thirty. But as long as you're one of the top thirty, yep. and you can still make it work. You might have to make some changes. Like maybe you normally run six crews and now you're down to three or four or something. Like yep. there may be some tough decisions to make. Um, but it won't put you out of business necessarily. Whereas if you're in the bottom seventy. Uh, you just can't get enough business. There's not enough out there. You were you were winning jobs that the other guys weren't taking before, and now there's like the other guys are taking all of them because yep. there's just less of them going around. Yeah. So, 
certainly that can play an impact and this, it, it kind of sucks because that one's kind of out of your control. Yeah. Uh, number eight, regulatory and legal issues. <clears throat> so if you're like, this kind of ties into number one, two with the quality control and workmanship. But if you are ignorant to building codes, um, your local regulations, your zoning, et cetera, uh, you may find yourself in a world of hurt right uh, away. Things might be going just fine. And all of a sudden that starts to unravel on you. And that's a tough thing to bounce back from. Yeah. Yeah. So all of a sudden you have all these callbacks you got to fix. You got to tear a whole project down. That you it's an expensive mistake. You do it. And it's like, right. Like if you end up in regulatory or legal issues, typically those aren't like, those aren't a couple thousand dollars. Typically yeah. they're a lot. Yeah. Like a $10,000 mistake. And you haven't been charging enough. So you have nothing in the bank to, to take on a legal fight. It's just like, you need everything to go perfectly all the time. Everybody needs to pay their bill on time and pay it properly and everything just to be staying above water. And the second there's like, second you get caught with an unexpected expense, i.e. getting sued or not paid, yeah. that's the end of it. Yep. Number nine, cash flow problems. So cash flow management can lead to an inability to purchase materials, pay staff, or cover, cover other essential costs. So that can be tough too, especially because for many deck builders, it is a seasonal business. So you kind of got to make hay while the sun shines and yeah. then hibernate in the winter, potentially, if you're not working all the way through. But even if you are, you're certainly, like, you're going to have a dip in revenue. You're not going to be working as much in the winter. Um, so, so you got to make sure you got to put cash in the right places and plan for things. This is always tough for us. This is one of the things we yep. struggle with the most. 100%. Any seasonal business that has fluctuations for, for whatever reason has to pay extra attention to this, making sure that, like, you're planning for the slow times. Yep. And... and putting enough away in the busy times to manage it. It's tough. Yeah. Uh, number 10, lack of differentiation. So failing to differentiate from competitors with your services or your quality or your branding uh, makes it hard to stand out. So if you're in that market that's got 100 deck builders and it's like there's not enough work to go around, you got to be one of the ones that stands out for whatever reason. You're all using the same logo, just different color, yeah. Yeah. different font and different color, but it's the same logo. Yeah. you got to find a way... You're. Like when people ask me, what do you do? Well, I build decks. It's like, well, they, you all build decks, but why should I hire you over somebody else? If you can't answer that, if you don't have that thing, it's it makes it pretty tough. Well, because I'm a, really good at it. In a competitive market. Good, good, great workmanship. Yeah. That and I know be, my worth. Could be your thing. Great workmanship. Failure to adapt is number 11. So <clears throat> if you don't stay on top of trends in the industry, products that are coming out, you may, like this one's more of a slow death, I think but you may slowly fall behind. So your competitors are out there and they're offering the latest and greatest and new framing uh, options or something or new design trends or new ways to, new spaces to build, new, like, whatever it is. Um, you may just slowly fall out of favor with customers. Your clients, you're pitching one thing. Your competitors are pitching something that's, like, fun, new shiny object. They're likely to get picked more than you. So, well, here's this deck. I just always run the boards to the edge and then cut them off. Yeah. Well, this other guy told me you could put a picture frame around it. But I mean, a great example of this is guys who just refuse to build composite decks. They're like, no, I like wood and I've always been a wood guy. Okay. That's okay. You can be a wood guy, but you're going to lose a lot of jobs to people who are moving towards maintenance-free lifestyles. Like that's all there is to it. And you, that's not even to say you can't do that. You can still, you can still run. That doesn't mean you're going out of business, but Yep. You need to find your pit, your niche and what differentiates you to go back to number 10. Yep. Like I build wood decks, but you better build it better than the other guys too then. Yep. If you're going to refuse to take on some customers and focus down to that tight of a niche. Yeah. You know where you could where you could fix that? You could go to Deck Expo. Right. Then you would know about all of the new trends. There you go. 
That's see you like, there. You know that's in like what's today? November what? First, second, second? ten days we leave for that. You you know that? Totally prepared. <laughs> totally <laughs> I, like, prepared. I was sitting here, Dana, the other day, our, our bookkeeper. I think it was with Dana, somebody. And she's like, "Oh, and you guys like you're gone here right away." I was like, "Gone where?" Like, aren't you guys going to like Vegas or something? I was like, "Oh yeah, shit, <laughs> right, yeah, uh, yeah, in a week and a half." Yeah. We were putting that on the calendar on Sunday. Rhonda and I were laying that out on the calendar, and she was like, "All right." And then she draws a line through. And was like, "You're gone to Vegas here," and I was just like, ah, "Holy right. shit, that's in two weeks." I don't. There's no way I'm going to be ready for that. Yeah. And she was like, "Ready for what?" I was like. Well, my to-do list is more than two weeks long, and <laughs> yeah. we got two weeks of putting stuff on the list. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know how this is going to happen. It has snuck up on us. Anyways, I can't wait. Number 12, poor customer service. Um, this one's pretty obvious, too, but like, you can build a really nice deck, but if you are a nightmare to deal with if in the process... Deck, if you're a deck the whole time. If you're a big deck... Uh, you're likely not going to get too far either. Now, it's just like there's the certainly some living proof of the... Uh, <laughs> to the contrary of this like there's some guys in the industry that I look at and be like how how does anybody how hire does anybody person? hire you like you are such an a-hole but you gonna name names do good work that? no I'm not gonna <laughs> yeah. name names but everybody can speculate but uh, just some people is like you are so like just like in yeah. your face about things like how maybe they're not like that with you other, know what with though customers. like it might not be with their customers it yeah. might be with their competitors and so like Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Also, it's like provides a way to stand out. I customer service is one of the hardest things to actually get right, I believe, because the tactics you use on one customer don't work on another. Because what's happening yeah. is you're like you're working with personalities. And so like, I don't know. Some people want some people want controversial and some people want to be cuddled and it's just like this is awful. Yeah. It's the you need a psych degree. But also, like, they contractors are kind of notoriously bad for this sometimes. Like, no, oh, they didn't answer the phone. I phone, I emailed for a quote three times. They never got back to me. They were supposed to be here at 2 o'clock on Friday, and they never showed up. No phone call, no nothing. Like, everybody's yeah. got stories of this. And so the ones that can, and it's a, like, it's a fairly simple thing, but the ones that do pay attention to this and, and do that, they, they get, a like, a boost in their, like, customer's, whatever, mental rating. Yeah. Just by, just by doing the basics. Just show up is all you have to do. And to those people like that are like, well, yeah, obviously it's like, yeah, but you get a big boost in that because a lot of guys don't just show up. Answer your phone. Yeah. <laughs> do what you say you're going to do. Show up. Yeah. Deliver the quote when you said you're going to do it. Yeah. Stick to schedule. Communicate. Oh, so it's, uh, it's, what's, what's one of those things? I'm not saying it's easy. It's just simple. It's just like simple things. It's hard to do. It's hard to do. Because you're busy. Yeah. But it's, it's simple little things. Uh, number 13, depending on a single revenue stream. Uh, relying on deck building alone without diversifying services can be risky if demand for decks decreases. So this is your, to your point there. Like some guys are working in super seasonal markets like ours. Some guys do try to do the deck thing all year round. Others, it's pretty common to take on basement projects in the winter or something. Um, so if you can't make a go of it, if you can't make enough money during the eight to nine month building season to carry you through those other three months, mm -hmm. you're going to have to diversify a little bit. Yeah. If yeah. you don't, that's it. You're going out of business. Number 14, lack of planning. Um, so this, this is all kind of starting to tie itself together here a little bit now, but um, it took a while. Cash flow planning, like we said, employee planning. There's lots of different planning aspects. This one's a bit of a catch all, but um, planning for those slow periods, whether you do have to work through it or if you have tucked enough cash away, whether you've 
decide to charge right uh, right amount. Yeah. Whether you're doing any marketing, like all that comes. Like in this could be even course, just planning, like planning out a job. Sure. Like if you don't plan your jobs out properly, that you end up in a bunch of caca. Yeah. Yeah. All of a sudden, the job's taking twice as long because oh, I didn't realize that there was a tree located where this deck is going. Yeah. Or look, there's buried lines. I probably should have got those marked. And then you back up the next customer, and then they're mad because you didn't show up. And you didn't. You're not doing what you said you were going to do. And then yeah, yeah. Anyways, and you don't plan to spend a certain amount of t- hours a week putting your books together and your receipts and like. Man, I'm telling you, this check. is why planning is everything. I've been planning saying this for years. There's got to be a button for that somewhere. I don't think it? so. I think it's a different. One. And finally, number fifteen. This is the worst. Inadequate insurance and bonds. So, uh, if everything goes smoothly, then good deal. You don't ever have to worry about this. But if something goes wrong and you're not covered, you're not insured. It's just over right then and there. So if something catastrophic happens on your job site and you don't have insurance to cover it, um, then. And it's like, I know you're actually liable for the $120,000 of damage that happened because the deck detached from the house and fell on the ground and in the process smashed three vehicles and somebody was injured. And so there's a lawsuit coming. And yeah, like, if somebody gets injured, you're, that's a real bad. And your employees cuts his thumb off and that's all not that, that bad. shit. That happens. <laughs> like there's lots That'll of things happen. that can go wrong. Insurance <sighs> is going to cover some of them, not going to cover some other things. What I think probably one of the biggest takeaways from that is to be like, go maybe go sit down with your insurance provider and give them a really good description of what you do. Yeah. And just be like, I, I don't know this just as much as you don't know how to build a deck. So like, you got to be on my team here. You have to help me. Yeah. What do I need to be protected from? Right. Even in the States here, it's like your own personal health insurance. Yep. So you go and, and do cut your thumb off or, or saw through your thigh and you, you can't work for th- two months or something. Yeah. What happens then? Yeah. You don't have, you don't, first of all, your medical bill, if you don't have health insurance in the States, is going to be tens of thousands, if not $100,000. Yep. And then there's like the loss of income during that time. Do you have some sort of coverage to cover your income in the event of like major injury or debilitating injury? Like how do you make yeah, it through and then, unexpected two, three months? Maybe you actually, like your productivity is down now. Yeah. Like later on in life. So you come back, but it's like, but now you walk with a limp because you sawed your femur in half. Yeah. And then you kind of grew back together, but not perfect. <laughs> That's a violent one. Right. But it, like, <laughs> dude, that can happen impossible. with a skill saw. Like it would happen <laughs> so fast. Like yeah. it would be real, real bad. So I remember when I, back when I was building, I had a guy that worked for me. I think it was, I think it was this guy. It doesn't matter who it was, but he was telling me like in his previous job, his, his boss had like cut something with a skill saw and then like, li- like was cutting a bunch of things. So like pick one up, cut it, like just cross cutting two by fours or something. Yeah. And then like, between cuts was bringing the saw up and like rested on his leg, but the guard didn't flip down one time. Oh. So the guard got stuck Gross. and he kind of lifted up, put on his leg, got much grabbed the before and slide it down to do the next cut and, and like <laughs> right down his quad, like cut his leg wide open. Like that's disgusting. Yeah. Didn't mean to go Wild. gruesome there on that one, but it's like, you better have coverage for shit that goes wrong on the job site. Yeah. Cause there's a lot of different things that can go wrong and it's like, it'll bury you right then and there if you're not covered. Yeah. And, it, and it, like you were saying before, you need to make sure that if you're on somebody's job, like on their house, you need to first and foremost, like, I don't know why contractors are like this, but but this is how my brain works is like, well, listen, if I hurt myself, that's fine. Yeah. I'll figure it out, which you will. Cause you like, maybe you just end up pumping gas and your life is way less awesome. You don't go to Maui anymore, yeah. but whatever you can, you can keep yourself above water. But if you like, if the deck falls and squishes somebody's kid, 
it's over for you. Yeah. You now you're bankrupt. You'll your, tra- never your trailer goes missing. And you got ten, fifteen thousand dollars of the tools in there. Can yeah. you recover from that if they're not insured? Like there's nope. all sorts of insurances out there that cover all sorts of scenarios. So bad. So yeah. But most small businesses that are like single man just does this thing, couldn't afford to replace twenty thousand dollar trailer yeah. and tools if they had to. Like the timing on this is actually pretty great. Um I'm going indoor golfing next week with uh, an insurance guy for our company to like review all of our insurance again and like to reline it up and see if like if what we have for coverage is right and if it's not and like when we talk about you know just making sure when we went to Saskatoon that we did everything properly and it's yeah is this like are we good do we because you don't what happens is you don't find out until you have to use it and then you find and then you find out you didn't your building burns down you had insurance on a million dollars inventory turns out you had closer to two actually there yep. and you're only getting part of that covered because you had you weren't insured enough yep. you're insured but did not not a big yeah, or the other thing is like maybe you are overinsured, right so maybe we have insurance for two million dollars worth of stuff but it's like well really one and a half of is outside and so we're not going to lose one and a half all at one foul swoop yeah unless a tornado comes through it's like oh well yeah a tornado could come through yeah not likely but it could yeah then what so anyways Yep. So there it is. Not to be Debbie Downers, but like there's a lot of ways businesses can go out of business and it's like just gotta pay attention to these things. What was the stat you told me at the very like when on the very onset of starting this company, it was like fifty percent of companies go out out of business. It's much higher than that. In the first (laughs) like in the it was in the first two years or something. It was like Yeah, I don't know. There's lots of different stats out there and they're different numbers, but the common theme is that they're big numbers. It's like 50%, 50%, sure, 50% might go to business in two years, 90% within five years, and like yeah. 98% within 10 years or something like that. So it's like if you make it outside the the 10-year mark, you've done well. And the thing is like, I, I, I also think there's like a lot of data that goes into that that's like, oh, well, somebody started a business and maybe it wasn't even intended to be long-term or it was only a part-time thing on the side. Like there's probably a lot of like, cases where it's like, okay, yeah. well, that person was never fully invested and they weren't trying really hard. So for the businesses that are like, planning to be in it for the long haul and dedicating it. it's like their old, like their source of income and it's like not a side job maybe it's a little bit lower than that but still so even at 10 years let's say like 70 percent of it even if it was 70 percent, which is much lower than the actual statistic but even if it's 70 that's that's a lot that's a lot so and and the reason for those i think those like those milestones the two three to five year mark is like because sometimes that's how long it takes to figure out that you're not doing something right yeah. It's like sometimes you can well, be in trouble for two, three years and you don't know you're in trouble. And it's just like, by the time you figure it out, it's too late. And so then you just go bankrupt. It's like, there's, you can't claw your way back out of it. Yeah. But it takes that long to figure out that you've done that bad. Yeah. And so maybe, maybe that's why they're numbered like that Two, At two years, you realize whether you can or can't. So some people claw it out. Yeah. And then at five years, you have like another review. <laughs> like, how are we, how are we doing? Yeah. And at five years, it's like, well, you clawed your way out. You're spinning your tires. You've just really recovered back to zero. And people yep. are like, F this. Well, and for some I'm businesses, I'm sure too, in year one, it was fine. Like they were cash flow positive because it was just them working in the business. They didn't have a bunch of overhead. They were doing it out of their basement. I'm not saying deck builders, but like Well, anything. even us, if you just talk about our story, we're like right. our rent our rent in year one was significantly different than our rent now. Yeah. And your business in year five looks nothing like your business in year one. Not even close. Your business in year one was doing a hundred grand a year and was profitable. Your business in year five is doing a million a year and is not profitable. Right. It's like that's possible. Absolutely. That's very possible. Yeah. <laughs> so And you're like, Well, how can it be? I mean, it's like way bigger number. Growth is not like always just good. Yeah. So 
Anyway, that's uh, some things to kind of keep an eye out for, I guess, and make sure that you're paying attention to. Um, and if you're not, then like some of these things can sneak up on you and, and bury you. So just like... And don't do that. Don't get buried. Pay attention to it. Yeah. Uh, by the time this episode airs, it'll be only about a week away from Deck Expo. So we'll see you down there soon if you're planning on being there. If you're not, you're making a big mistake and you'll probably go out of business. So oh, oh, bold see statement. you next week. <laughs> Hey, thank you for listening to the Ultimate Deck Podcast. Now you know what we're about. Check the site, come and shop. UltimateDeckShop.com. Hit us right away for sponsorships. So tell us if you want to collaborate. Let's go. Check us out on any social networks. Thank you for listening.